This hour is brought to you by American Water Damage Restoration. Welcome to the Jason Rantz Show. This is Tim Gato, so I'm going to be filling in for Jason Rantz today. I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Jason is traveling. He is tomorrow releasing his new book, What's Killing America. You got to check it out. I'm the longtime host of Live from Seattle, also the chaplain to the Seattle Mariners and Seattle Sounders. And really glad to be with you today. And thank you so much for tuning in. We got a great program for you today. We're going to have John Scholes, the CEO and president of the Downtown Seattle Association, join us. Talk about the King County Regional Homelessness Authority Partnership for Zero, how that has disintegrated. We're also going to have Mr. Mariner Alvin Davis with us. Of course, a huge series uh, this week for the Mariners. We'll talk to Mr. Mariner Alvin Davis. Also, Caitlin Axe from the Discovery Institute is going to join us. So really excited to have you with us today. It's time to find out what's trending. What's trending? The homelessness crisis. Tell you, as I mentioned, this is significant news. One of the cornerstone programs to fight homelessness in King County is coming to an end. The King County Regional Homelessness Authority announced last week it's abandoning the Partnership for Zero project. This had huge fanfare about a year and a half ago. Many corporations, the city, the county, they came together. There was a lot of media blitz about this, that the goal was to allow not there be any visible homelessness. And here a year and a half later, the project is done. And a lot of people are asking a lot of questions about this. As I mentioned, in a few minutes, we'll have John Scholes of the Downtown Seattle Association with us to talk about it. But in a press release, King County Regional Homelessness Authority and partners recognize that the need for unsheltered services in downtown Seattle and the Chinatown International District is greater than the capacity of the Partnership for Zero pilot, the authority wrote. We also recognize that there are challenges in having an administrative agency deliver direct service. The agency said it was able to get 231 people off the streets and into housing. It cleared six encampments, but the $10 million in funding has now run out. We'll talk also with Caitlin Axe about that funding from the Discovery Institute. She dove into the numbers on this. I tell you, it's very discouraging. And as we look across the spectrum of the number of hundreds of millions of dollars that have been spent on homelessness here in the city, in the county, in the state, uh, literally billions of dollars. And it looks like we're back at ground zero. I remember over 10 years ago when it was a goal to be able to end homelessness in 10 years. It was a 10-year goal. And here we are 11, 12 years later, and we are struggling with this. And at some point, We're going to have to say, our leaders are going to have to say, what we're doing is just simply not working. It's not working. And I think a lot of times we look at the problem instead of the person. It's one of the things that I've noticed many, many times here is that we, especially with this housing first philosophy, and the philosophy says, if we can just get somebody into a house, then then everything's going to be okay. And all their problems are going to go away. And all the things that they've dealt with in their life are going to be okay. And if you understand what is really going on in, in the hearts, the lives, the souls of people on our street, the, the instances that they've gone through of abuse, of neglect, there, there are so many difficult layered issues. And our philosophy of just saying, hey, we got to give somebody a house and it's going to be okay, 
just really focuses on the problem rather than the person. And I had a number of years ago, over 10 years ago, I had the privilege of actually working with Union Gospel Mission on a couple of their special projects. And one of the things that they did was they did a survey and they surveyed the the folks who are living on the streets here in Seattle and, and asked them what were the things that they went through in their life? What were the struggles? What going back all the way to their childhood and nine out of 10 of them had experienced child abuse, had experienced sexual abuse, had experienced some really traumatic things in their life that had led to uh, addiction that had led to, losing jobs that had led to all these things. And and I say this to say, man, we should have certainly a lot of compassion and empathy for people who are struggling and have gone through some really tough things in their life. We've all gone through tough things in our life, but what we do here in Seattle is we, we don't really talk through those things. We don't talk about those things. We don't focus on the person and how we can get somebody back on their feet, how we can get them into community, how we can get them into relationship. We kind of, overpass all those issues and say, okay, we, we just got to get them a house or get them an apartment and all is going to be well. It's very utilitarian in how we approach this. And I've, I've seen this over the years, a number of times, I think of actually a, a few relationships I've had over the years with people who were struggling with homelessness, struggling with addiction, and were able to get into community. We're able to get into relationship and be able to get back on their feet again and be able to get a job and hold a job. In fact, I think of a person by the name of Scooter Soul. Scooter was someone who I became a friend with maybe 12, 13 years ago, and he was living here on the streets underneath the Ballard Bridge. He had tried to commit suicide a couple times. Thank God that that didn't happen, and he was able to be able to get into a community. He was able to get into relationship through Union Gospel Mission, and my goodness, he went through the program and he went through all their different kind of processes that he had. And later on, a couple of years later, he started a nonprofit called Redeeming Souls, where he would then provide shoes for homeless people um, in our city. And, and it's a nonprofit that's still going to this day. It's an incredible, incredible work. And Scooter is now married. I actually had the, <laughs> I had the privilege of being able to participate in his wedding a few years back. And I think of Scooter, when I think of the issues that we're facing today, when we're spending billions and billions of dollars on the issue of homelessness, and we completely don't even think about how important relationship, how important community is. And I just want to say, we got to focus on, on the person and not just the problem. And we, we do this, I think, so oftentimes I, I saw this with, with COVID, you probably saw this as well, where it, with COVID, we, we talked about all these things that we had to inject ourselves with, Oh, get, you got to get the vaccine and you got to get the booster and you got to do these things. And, and there was never a lot of conversation about how we can be healthy in our life, <laughs> right? How we can, um, clear ourselves and lose weight and how much obesity played a factor in COVID. And I tell you, we do the same thing in this arena as well when it comes to 
homelessness, when it comes to the money that's being spent, when it comes to the approach that we're taking. Man, I, I hope our city, our county, our state will see the disintegration of this partnership for zero. And they say, we've got to step back and look at this. We've got to take a different approach. The approach that we've been using is just not working. It's not working. What does it look like here to focus on the person and not the problem. There's so many different groups that are doing incredible work. I think of a group called We Heart Seattle that is a volunteer group. I mean, they're taking no money and they're able to get so many people into services. They're so they're able to get so many people off the street and into an apartment, or into a tiny house or whatever it might be. And there are so many different examples. Union Gospel Mission, Salvation Army being other ones of these nonprofits that are taking a tenth of the money that our government agencies are taking. Hey, I'll tell you, I, I knew that a couple of years ago that this was going to be an issue with the King County Regional Homelessness Authority. I was at an event and uh, the regional authority was there. They were kind of just getting going. They had hired their first CEO. And one of the keynote speakers of this event was their senior communications director. And and I was like, okay, if you're a senior communications director, there's also a a junior communications director as well. And, and the senior communications director, they talked about uh, her team and the number of people on her communications team. And I'm just sitting there saying, man, I tell you, if you if your communications team of your homelessness authority is between eight and ten people and they're all making probably really good money, man, I tell you that there's not going to be a lot of money probably that's going to direct services to the people who are on the ground who are struggling. And, and sure enough, that that's what's happening. And we'll again, we'll talk to Caitlin Axe later on in the program. Caitlin is a re- researcher with the Discovery Institute. She dove into the numbers and and saw that th- so much of these dollars never made it to uh, the people who are actually struggling with homelessness. It all went to this overhead, all the overhead of paying for all the salaries and the bureaucracy that's behind it. And I know uh, Mayor Harrell, I know he's frustrated about this. I know he's frustrated about this. In fact, We've got a we got a quick clip here of Mayor Harrell um, with, with some some words about his thoughts on this. It's not a mistake to create it. I think again, lessons learned. We'll move forward to see how uh, the new iteration of it may be here in the near future. They did a lot of some good work, but they also have to receive the criticism that perhaps they had fallen short of the expectations of many, including myself. Yeah, I mean, for the mayor to say that. I think that says a lot for him to publicly say, you know, he's disappointed in how they're doing it. The the mayor is, you know, he's going to be judicious with his words. And, and that says a lot. Um, and again, we'll talk to John Scholes, CEO and president of the downtown Seattle association in a few minutes, uh, a little more about this and going back to some of the dollars that get are getting spent, both city, County state. There's a lot of questions about this and and some other folks have been doing some research about how much money is getting spent per person on this. Uh, The Discovery Institute's Jonathan Cho, he talked to Governor Jay Inslee about the per person costs of securing housing for the homelessness. Here's what he said. 
Governor, the other part of the question was, that's more than a million dollars for each one of these successful exits. That's false. Don't repeat that because it's false. That's the numbers according to no, Commerce's website. Just, Is that justified? You're just wrong. We've had 800 people get housing. In the, so but according to Commerce's website, it says 126 successful exits. That's more than a million dollars per successful exit. That's according to Commerce's website that I'm looking at, sir. I just want to know if you can help me explain what that number means. When you build an apartment, it's not just for one person. It's around for 50 years. So that seems like a big number. When you have to build an apartment that costs a million dollars, it's good for 50 years. So that number that seems big to you is not big when you realize you have to build a building. It's going to serve hundreds of people. Maybe it only served 100 now, but it's going to serve 1,000 over 50 years. That's the reason. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Governor. Yep. There's Jonathan Cho interviewing Governor Jay Inslee. I tell you, it's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out. Max, our incredible producer for this show, what are, you, what are your thoughts here, man? I mean, this is, there's billions of dollars getting spent, and yet there's not a lot of to show for right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you can just drive around anywhere, Tim, and you can see some of the the, the failures. Uh, these people that I mean, you mentioned some of the stories. I mean, these people that have have been through a lot. They could use someone to to try to help dismantle some of the these these big time problems that, that are affecting them and yet you know these these government agencies especially at the county level i mean i i hear jason talk about it every single day sitting in the same chair that that you're sitting in right now and it's just uh, the inefficiencies are just baffling i think jonathan show kind of illustrated a ton of that how much money is being spent per each individual person that's, that's, that's taxpayers that are fronting that it's tough it's a tough look it is it is it's time to find out what else is trending? What's trending? The homelessness crisis. Okay, this is a fresh off the press here, Max. A new study by Sportsbook Review found that the zip code surrounding Lumen Field is the second highest in local crime compared to other stadium zip codes in the United States. I saw this, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I was not surprised. Okay. I was not surprised that Lumen Field is considered one of the dangerous stadiums in the United States because I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to also add T-Mobile to that as well. T-Mobile Park, where uh, the Mariners are playing a huge game, by the way, tonight with the Astros, a huge series. We'll talk to Mr. Mariner Alvin Davis in a few minutes about this, but I was not surprised about this when you add T-Mobile into this. I you know, as I mentioned, have the opportunity and privilege of serving as the chaplain for the Mariners. And there have been a few instances this season of of Mariners uh, staffers who have uh, been assaulted after walking out of games into, you know, rounded into Soto. They're going to the car share place or going to light rail. I mean, I'm talking I'm not just talking about a, a wallet was stolen. There have been a couple significant attacks. It just absolutely breaks my heart, but this has been an issue. And the fact that this just came out about Lumen field uh, is just, is really not a, a surprise. I know people are frustrated about it. I know the Soto business improvement area. I've talked to Soto BIA about this. Uh, we, we did a, um, a cleanup. If you, you remember that we had the all-star game here this year, which was, which was great. And for the most part that went off, smashingly uh, and we did a a number of people and organizations came together and did a uh, an all-star game cleanup and 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 
a lot of people were like, why do they have to do a cleanup? They're just doing it for the All-Star game. But, uh, you know, it's, it's great to be able to bring people together and, and help serve our community. We have a lot of issues, but let's also come together and serve our community as well. I think that's a good thing. But there's a lot of questions about if there was going to be an instance of violence around the all-star game and how that could cloud it. There's a lot of conversation about that. And I know the Seahawks are concerned about that. And news like this is just, is definitely not going to help any of that conversation. Uh, Hopefully it opens eyes again to uh, the city and to others about some of the issues that they face down, not just in Soto, but down in Pioneer square in center city, that we've got a lot of work to do. And of course we know that SPD is down a lot of officers. We are losing more than we're gaining. And there's been a huge push since uh, the mayor has been elected. He wants to see more officers, but it, it has not transpired yet, Max. I mean, we just have not seen it. We're losing more than we're gaining. Yeah, obviously the the police staffing shortage issues are a huge part of this problem. But, uh, you know, I'm curious because you talk about Pioneer Square, you talk about the Chinatown International District. I mean, look at all these neighborhoods that surround the, the stadium district. And it's not stunning to see the the only, you know, cities that I think about, obviously, you know, talk about violence in San Francisco specifically. I know Jason has a lot of that uh, in his book uh, that, that's coming out as well. But, you know, that, that at least the baseball stadium in San Francisco, it's right on the water, a little bit nicer of an area. The football stadium is in Santa Clara, which is a much nicer area. So and that's really the only city a comparable, I think, to Seattle crime-wise is San Francisco, but their stadium situation is a little bit different than ours. So I think that uh, is a big distinction as to why Lumen Field probably is designated, especially on the NFL side, as the most dangerous stadium or most dangerous stadium area. I just wonder if they, they include those surrounding neighborhoods uh, in that study. Yeah, that's a good point. But you're I mean, you're going to the Mariners game tonight. Yeah. You're going to the Astros. Are you Are you concerned? Are you worried? Or are you like, you know what? I'm good. I mean, I'm I, I'm rolling the dice a little bit, taking the the light rail down okay. there. I know that's a, just don't breathe. Yeah, well, exactly, don't exactly. breathe. And but the, I mean, these are the things, Tim, that you have to worry about. I mean, yeah, it, it, taking the light rail, some crazy could happen on the light rail. Something crazy could happen on that walk that's way too long from the light rail stop to the stadium. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you are nervous. There's gonna be a lot of people out tonight. I I figure with Houston in town big series as we were talking about there's going to be a ton of people out and about and when there's more people there's more chances of something crazy happening so yeah i mean it's something i'm going to be thinking about when i'm down there yeah i tell you i i, I believe in in public transportation but i tell you i've got i'm a dad to four daughters oh boy and we went to cold play last week at, at lumen yeah I took two of my oldest daughters and my wife. We went down there. By the way, what a show. I mean, come on. I heard, I Some people really despise things, Coldplay, the, the light show. but I'm sorry. I, I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a, I love me some Coldplay. And I, I, I thought about, let's just, let's just light rail it down there. And we live up in North Seattle. Let's, let's just go to Northgate and then we'll light rail it down. We don't have to worry about parking and all that kind of stuff, which in theory sounds amazing. But then I remember the study that the University of Washington mm-hmm. came out with recently <laughs> that said that 100% of the buses and the light rail trains that they tested had fentanyl or meth in them. And I was like, you know what? But it's safe to breathe in, Tim. You, apparently, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's what the county. That's what the county wants you to think. Yeah, they're 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 gonna they're, they're gonna regret saying that. That's yeah. for sure because that. Well, this is that's another segment talking about how the the health community has 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 really destroyed some of their reputation when when they say things like that. But I will say, Max Coldplay was unbelievable. Oh my goodness. I mean they it's like fireworks and yeah. lights and strobes and it is it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I had a, a buddy that I was talking to on Friday that was there and he said he was fascinated by the the light show they did with the the wristbands and all the flashing colors. He showed me some video that looked fascinating. I mean there's been there's been some big acts coming to town recently, you know, Coldplay, Beyonce, Taylor Swift and yet I mean, these these great grand events, and this is the Seattle that we show them. Yeah. It's, it, it's Are you a big Taylor Swift guy? You I, seem like a big Taylor I Swift can't guy. Say I, I can't say I'm a, a colossal Swifty, but <laughs> I, I was down there. I was actually at the Mariners game the day of the Taylor Swift concert, and I, I had never seen so many people in that. You couldn't walk down Occidental. It was shoulder to shoulder the whole way through. It was unbelievable seeing that many people down there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I tell you, we've got a absolutely fantastic program coming up. We've got Alvin Davis, Mr. Mariner. We've got John Scholes, the president and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, who's going to join us as well. This is Tim Gato, some guest hosting for Jason Rance on the Jason Rance Show today, 770 KTTH. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Jason Rance Show. This is Tim Gatos, guest hosting for Jason Rance today. Jason is traveling, and he's got a new book coming out, What's Killing America. Tomorrow it's coming out. you got to check that out. I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm the host of Live from Seattle for many years, also chaplain to the Seattle Mariners and Seattle Sounders here in town, and I'm so glad to have you with us. we got a great program for you coming up in a few minutes. Mr. Mariner Alvin Davis, our first Mariner superstar, will be joining us talking about the huge week of games we've got, starting with Houston tonight at T-Mobile Park. Also, John Scholes, the president and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, will be joining us talking about the op-ed that he wrote in the Seattle Times yesterday about, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, The city of Seattle has increased their budget 94% over the last uh, eight or nine years. And there is a huge deficit that we're coming up on in the next couple of years that they're hinting about. And we're going to talk to John about that. He wrote an op-ed in the Seattle Times. You probably read it yesterday. And we'll probably also dive in with John on the King County Regional Homelessness Authority, get his thoughts on that as well. So great program. Make sure you're with us today. And I tell you, it, it's we we have a lot of challenges here in our community. There's no question about it. There's a lot of challenges, and there's things that we get incredibly frustrated about. I also love to be able to highlight some of the amazing things. There's a reason why a lot of us live here because there are great things as well. I was thinking about next week. Nordstrom is actually having one of their first days of impact, and this is pretty cool. About. 2,000 of their employees are going to be going out into the community. They're going to be uh, doing uh, bulb planting. They're going to be planting bulbs in the community, in the parks. They're going to be doing some litter pickup. They're going to be doing some mural making. And and I was just noted about when you see that kind of thing happen, it kind of builds on itself in the sense of like, you know what? 
I, I can sit back and I can be frustrated and discouraged, but let's, and and we got to call out truth as we see it. No question about it. But also how do we balance that with getting out into the community as well and saying, you know what, let's also be a part of positive solutions. And so huge shout out to Nordstrom for, uh, for the day of impact coming next week. Max, I know that um, they're also going to be down on the waterfront as well at the, at the waterfront park. And I don't know if you've heard about this. The waterfront park is getting ready to open in phases over the next year. This is the largest public project uh, since uh, the Space Needle Seattle Center back in the 60s. I don't know if anyone really recognizes how significant when when this whole thing opens it's going to be transformational for our waterfront and it's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. I was down there a couple of days ago, seeing some of the construction that's down there. Uh, the aquarium is expanding. There's going to be, I, I was walking with my daughter on a new beach that's right down there in the Pioneer square area. Cause you, before you could never access the water. And, and so they built this little kind of beach cove area right down there in Pioneer square. Super, super cool. And, There are a lot of amazing things that are coming up when I think of uh, the waterfront park opening, got the aquarium expanding. Of course, this year, the convention center opened. We just had the all-star game. The World Cup is coming. And there's a handful of other uh, projects that are happening in our region that I think if we can get it together around some of this public safety and crime and some of the common sense solutions we can get back to being one of the most amazing regions and cities in the world because I'm born and raised here. I used to be so proud about this place. I used to be this evangelist for Seattle. In fact, when I went off to college uh, out of the area, my friends used to get so annoyed with me because it was like Seattle, this Seattle, that Seattle, this Seattle, that. And a lot of us have been like that in our lives, but that's, that's changed right over the last number of years. It really has. I mean, I've, I've spoken about that publicly, how that's changed because of some of these policies that we've approached crime and homelessness with that have really done a lot of damage, not only to people on the streets as a dad to four kids, man, it is up to me as a parent to guide them, to shepherd them, to love them and serve them in a way that they're not going to hurt, hurt, harm or hurt themselves. But I don't see that with our policies here today. We, it's almost like we don't we don't care if they hurt or harm themselves or others, but what do we do once it happens? And I don't really like that approach. I don't like that approach. And we've lost a lot of the the foundational things that have made our country amazing when it comes to family and parenting. It's almost like those things are totally secondary to what we talk about today. And we've got to get back to the, the foundational things that make a human healthy. There are things there. There are ways that we were designed and created to be, to be healthy. I mean, I don't want to necessarily just, you know, get, get go <laughs> too far down this road here, but a lot of people will say, um, you know, let's take for instance, the, the 10 commandments in scripture, you know, the 10 commandments It's like, Oh man, that's just a bunch of rules and a bunch of things that, cause a lot, a lot of folks today, they don't, they, they believe like, scripture or or religion, things like that are antiquated and and they're too legalistic, but there's a reason those things uh, exist. And there's a reason why, let's say God said those things, because that keeps us from harming or hurting myself or others. It's just, 
we want to, we're, we're designed to flourish in our life. And, and I hope that as a community, we can, we want every human being to flourish and have fullness in their life and not hurt or harm themselves or others. And man, I, I hope we can get there. We'll talk with uh, Caitlin Axe about that. We'll also talk uh, to John Scholes about that. But Max, I mean, that that's a, that's where we're at in our society today, where we kind of get to a point where we, we talk about once someone harms some someone else, then let's get into some intervention. But we don't talk about the prevention. Well, yeah, and that's just the biggest piece of it all. We see, I mean, these problems are, are so apparent, and it's it's almost as if city government is – sometimes they act like these things aren't there or, or that people like – Jason Ransar is exaggerating the problem, but it's, you know, we see these things with our own eyes as members of this community. You know, we talk to, to people on the show quite a lot, you know, business owners that have just ran into constant problems and break-ins and homeless people doing drugs on their property. And there's just, it, it seems like it's really simple from one perspective to say, hey, these things are bad. Let's take care of these problems. Let's, like you said, be proactive uh, about trying to get this area which is a great area seattle's a great city you know we talk about all the things that are going on in this city you know these waterfront improvements like we want to be able to show people that seattle is a really cool city uh, and that has a lot of amenities and as long as you can make some slight improvements to overall cleanliness or public safety you know you can really showcase a cool city and you know attract people to come here for big events like the all-star game like the world cup things like that it's just a it's a golden opportunity and it just doesn't seem as if any leaders want to get out in front of these issues yeah there there's a a fear-based approach that uh politicians have it's (laughs) i i don't want to say anything that is going to get me in trouble i don't want to say anything that you know, someone's going to come after me with, or there's a, there's a certain kind of Seattle orthodoxy that if you go against that orthodoxy, then I I can't tell you how many people I know who have certain thoughts or views or beliefs that are not in line with the Seattle orthodoxy, but they're not willing to actually talk about those things. And there's because they're fearful for what that might do to, a relationship or their career or how they might be perceived. But we just, we really need to be people of integrity, be people of courage and just be people of speaking what we see and speaking truth. And and that should just be the way that we live. I mean, I've, even if, if someone is saying that if Shama Sawant says something that is uh, her viewpoint and that's what she thinks, then I'm going to respect her by saying what she thinks, right? Or what she views. I may not agree, <laughs> right? But I tell you what, I'd have more respect for her for standing on her her convictions for than someone who has a conviction but is unwilling to to stand on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm with you on that. And I think observing Shama Sawan on the Seattle City Council, like people I don't think there's a, a – she speaks for a large majority of people in this city, uh, but yeah, she was elected by her district, and that paints a certain picture. But she was able to get people to listen and to rally. I 
I think there's a lesson to be learned from her term on the council. She was able to get people to organize in a way that not necessarily has been done before around here. And I think, you know, people from different ideological viewpoints can learn something from her time and how she was able to get people to come together, all, albeit for, for things that I think uh, most people listening right now wholeheartedly disagree with, but she was able to get people together. It's it's an interesting kind of social experiment. I hate to talk about the city that way, but it's true. Well, big shout out to Nordstrom, their day of impact. Appreciate you guys doing that. And spe- speaking of positivity as well, the University of Washington Huskies. I've got to mention this. I, I love the dogs and we are national title contenders. This could be our first now, I, even, I don't even want to say this. I don't want to jinx this thing. But, you know, our last national championship, 1991. I tell you, I went to the game Saturday night against Cal Husky Stadium. That place was just going nuts. This Husky team is is unbelievable. If you haven't seen a play, Michael Penix Jr., he could be our first Heitzman Trophy winner ever in the history of the University of Washington. And there is just so much fun. So they we've got this game against Arizona uh, next week, and then we've got a bye week, and then it's the Oregon Ducks coming to Husky Stadium. Th- this is going to be a- an unbelievable game. The the lead up to this game will be like anything we haven't seen. In fact, I think College Game Day will end up coming here yeah, to Seattle. Yeah, I think so too. So we'll have Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreet, all those guys. They're going to be here. And it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, Max. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, This Husky team is phenomenal. I think, you know, I I was pretty young in in the days of Marcus Tuyas Sopo. But I got to think, Tim, Michael Penix Jr. is going to go down as the best quarterback in the history of this program. Yeah, no question about it. Hey, coming up on the show, the CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, John Scholes, will be with us. Also, right after this break, Mr. Mariner. Alvin Davis, the first Mariner superstar, will join us to talk about the big week of games at T-Mobile. Stay with us. This is Tim Gatos, guest hosting for Jason Rance on the Jason Rance Show on KTTH. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Jason Rance Show. This is Tim Gatos, guest hosting for Jason today. And I tell you, I'm so glad to welcome our next guest to the program, Mariners Hall of Famer, Alvin Davis. Mr. Mariner, welcome to the program, A.D. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. It's good to hear your voice, as always. Always great to hear your voice. And I tell you, Alvin, this is a big week in Seattle Mariners universe. We got a game against uh, Houston tonight. The final games at T-Mobile Park were right in the thick of it, coming off a, a disappointing road trip. But, Alvin, you have been a fixture for our Mariners for, for so many years in such a, a, a stable, stable voice. And I'd love to just get your thoughts on what you expect to see uh, this week and what what's going through your mind right now. Well, you know, man, Tim, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate the uh the encouragement, the accolades, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel the same about you in um, so many ways, and uh, your impact on the club there and the clubhouse as well. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's that time, you know, crunch time, right? Um, you know, seven games to go with uh, teams that are in front of us, like immediately for, in front of us, and 
you know, it's doable uh, to a certain extent. You know, we, we control our own destiny. And, uh, yeah, it would be uh, it would be a great time to, to get a couple sweeps and, uh, you know, head into the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, looking at it from maybe the, uh, the overhead view, uh, this is right where you want to be. Um, probably the only thing that could be even better would be to go into this last week with the lead. Uh, looking to close it out, clinch it out, and, and you know, win, win the division. And that's always the, the goal, the first step. You know, uh, it takes 162 sprints to get there. Um, but, you know, we are where we are. The, the division is still in reach. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's ours to go out and take. You know, at T-Mobile Park, you know, we're, we're at home. We're going to be in front of our, our fans and, you know, eating our home cooking and uh, sleeping in our own beds. And so, uh, yeah, very, very exciting time. Um, and, and I think all of us in, in Mariners Nation, as you mentioned, or Mariners Universe, if, if we re-round the, rewound the clock uh, to maybe the middle of March, you know, as we're coming out of spring training and, and heading into the, you know, the season and getting closer to opening day, you know, if we could have looked forward and said, hey, you know, going into the last seven games of the season, all at T-Mobile Park, um, you know, we're going to be within striking distance of the division and uh, striking distance of a, a second consecutive postseason berth. How would you like that? <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all say we'd love to be there, you know. And then, you know, when you rewind the season, Tim, and you look at, you know, and you say, okay, well, Mariners Nation, you know, you're going you're to lose Robbie Ray uh, in April. He's going to make one start. How would you like to be, you know, within striking distance of the division and, and, and you know, in a playoff spot, the last game? And we'd, we'd all go, oh, my gosh, that'd be amazing, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, you know, I could go on and on, Tim. I know our time is limited. But, you know, the, broadly speaking, uh, the season hasn't exactly unfolded the way that we hoped it would. You know, we've had some, some pretty severe injuries, you know. Yeah. We, uh, you know, to our pitching, you know, we, we've lost an Emerson Hancock. I mean, you know, we lost Robbie Ray. Uh, we lost Marco Gonzalez. And yet here we are. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, let, let, you know again, let, let's, let's close it out. But, man, we're, we're glad to be here. Alvin, take us inside the, the minds of, of the guys. When it comes to, I don't, none of us, you understand, but, most of us don't understand you know the 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 length of a season 162 games you're playing day in and day out and the, the grind of that the dog days of summer and the ups and downs you're you're peaking you're you're slumping there's and of course fans might get frustrated and they say oh man we we peaked too early right we had that run in august and now we're here and now we're trying to, to take us inside what it's like to try to navigate 162 game season to and is there even a question of like trying to peak at the right time or or how do how do you do that and and when it comes to you know this week in particular when it's basically you're playing playoff games and it's not the playoffs yeah 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 that's that's a great question you know i, I you know i can give my opinion i i know as a player i was never really there 
So I don't, I can't uh, respond from from firsthand experience. You know, I think someone like Dan Wilson could. You know, who who's in, within our our sphere of influence, right? Um, having been there with uh, you know a number of playoff teams and and uh, you know the and you know so so but but if I were to offer an opinion, you know, um, man, you 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 can't really control the timing of you know when you peak or when you play at your peak. Um, you know, I think obviously if you look back over the season, you could say, you know, there's been several times uh, over the years, there are several periods of time that, that we that we put it together, um, if, if you want to call that a peak, Tim, uh, where, where we were hitting on all phases of the game at the same time, you know, and, and you know, so our pitching and our defense were there and we were running the bases really, really well and, you know, taking advantage of what the game was giving us on the bases and not giving up outs on the bases. And, you know, we're creating traffic, you know, by, by swinging the bat, but also staying in the strike zone and taking our walks and being willing to pass a baton. And, you know, we also, you know, had some big hits, you know, you got to have some big hits, right? Uh, you can create traffic, but if you can't clean that traffic uh, or, you know, move that traffic around the home, then, you know, uh, it, it's just not all there for you. And, you know, the way the game is played now, Tim, obviously um, to be to be really good or, or to be at a peak, you got to hit the ball over the fence, you know? And so, uh, uh, you, uh, in other words, you, you know, you want to be good, right? You want to be deep. Uh, you want to be complete as a ball club. And just, you know, understanding over the course of 162 games or 155 games, which is where we're at now, there are going to be ups and downs, but you, you're hoping that the trend is is up, you know, over the course of the season. And, you know, uh, to, to that point of, man, we peaked too early. Well, man, if you, if you look back at it, if we don't have August, if, if we're just a 500 club in August, then, then we're out. Right. We're eliminated. Yeah. So so we don't we don't want to go back and, you know, and undo August, you know, and try to apply it to, to, to September. But uh, but, yeah, you know, um, you know, we are where we are and we're, we're glad to be where we are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully um, we can be we can be good and hot. Right. right? We can be good and hot. We're talking to Seattle Mariners Hall of Famer Alvin Davis. Alvin, in the last kind of minute we've got here, you've been such a, as I mentioned earlier, a steadying force for these young men. And and we have so many amazing young men on this team. I think that's, I don't think people really understand how fun it is to cheer for men who are, uh, you know, they, they walk with character and integrity. And we've got so many of those. That's been really, I think, a high point of what uh, Jerry DePoto has done is that he's brought in really solid, solid people. Can you talk about that in this last minute? Yeah, you know, that's that's been really, really important. And I know you and I have talked about this in different venues. Um, it, it's it's an important part of our culture um, that, that we have men of integrity, not not just great ball players, but, but also men of integrity, uh, men who care about each other, who care about the fans, who care about the organization, who care about their families. Um, who do the right thing. You know, it's one of the pillars of our of our culture. And, you know, I, I know you and I have the opportunity to walk with some of those men who, who whose why or whose uh, faith in Jesus Christ is the motivating factor uh, behind um, who they are and what they do. And, yeah, it, it's definitely a separator, in my opinion, and uh, is a part of the, one of the pillars for the reason that we are where we are. 
and uh, hopefully it will carry the day. You know, uh, you, you got to have talent, right? It's professional baseball. It's major league baseball, and and you know we're at the we're at the top of the tier. We're at the top of the the bracket, if you will. And so you know you got to have talent to go with that culture and perseverance and all those great uh, character qualities uh, to carry us into the postseason and deep into the postseason, yeah. hopefully to a World Series. The Seattle Mariners Hall of Famer Alvin Davis, AD. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. You got it, Tim. I look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely. Hey, we'll take a break. Right, go M's. Go M's. We'll take a break. We'll be right back on the Jason Ranch Show.